This episode of The Minimalists is brought to you by nobody, because advertisements suck. The Minimalists. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed, oh, I bet that you'd be fine without Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Ryan, today we're going to discuss minimizing and letting go of sentimental stuff. Mm, the most, sometimes the most difficult things to let go of. Often the most difficult and for that reason people often want to start there like oh i want to just tackle the difficult thing and i get that impulse Mm -hmm. in fact unfortunately that's where i started oh oh, that's right with all your mom's stuff right before i even had heard about minimalism it was really understanding minimalism because here's the weird thing i think that that wisdom begets minimalism Mm. minimalism does not beget wisdom hmm you could tweet that podcast, Sean. Hmm. Now let, let me let me expand on what I mean by that. So you're saying the act of being a minimalist doesn't necessarily make you more wise, right? Hmm. And, and what I mean by that is, but once we understand the absurd meaning that we impart onto our things, mm. once that that illusion sort of begins to dissolve mm. in front of us, we mm. realize like, oh, these don't actually have the meaning that we thought they had, mm. and. And by understanding that, the things become less sentimental. Hmm. So you could grab a giant dumpster and start with all your sentimental things and just throw them in there. And it's going to make you more miserable Hmm. by doing that without the understanding of, oh, wait a minute. These things don't really have the meaning I thought they had, the significance I thought they had. Hmm. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. Letting go isn't always fun. But it is always freeing. Hmm. Now, freedom sometimes is really jarring. I have a friend who was in prison for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And when he got out of prison, he didn't know what to do with himself. Mm. Because that, that freedom was a bit much for him. Mm. He, he wasn't used... He, what he was used to was what? The constraints of the prison, the literal prison he was in. Mm-hmm. Now, we've been imprisoned by the American dream. Mm by consumerism, Mm -hmm. by corporatism, by the desire for more and more stuff. In fact, on the minimal episode today, I'm hoping to talk about sentimental items, and we'll talk more about that on the maximal as well. But on the maximal, I really want to address the problem with wanting more, Mm. always wanting more, Mm. and trying to form a deeper understanding there. Now, when I talk about minimalism or letting go is freeing, it can be jarring as well and and so yeah it's I think, not I, I think about when i got laid off okay. and, all, and all of a sudden i was free and it was like i think i was depressed for like a month because i didn't know what to do with that freedom per yeah. se i mean i knew that we were writing you know uh we had a book on the way we were gonna go on tour so i mean i had things to do but you know going 100 miles an hour to a complete stop it was super jarring especially like I was needed all the time. My phone was constantly ringing. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you solve this problem for me? Hey, I got a, 
I got a customer who needs this, I, you know, whatever. I got an employee that, you know, I got a whatever. You were significant and you yeah. lost some of that significance or or perceived significance. But I got all my I got all my time back like instantly. Right. Like all of a sudden I had, you know, an extra 60 hours a week. <laughs> now, I love what you said. You said I had things to do and if I were to pin that, but you didn't have things that you were told to do anymore. Mm. And so you had a particular kind of freedom. It's just like my yeah. friend uh, who got out of prison, he there wasn't someone literally looking over his shoulder now telling him when to eat, when to go to bed, when to you know, go outside, yeah. etc. He had to make those decisions on his own. And it required a particular kind of discipline, but I think even that discipline is birthed out of an understanding of where we want to go. Yeah. A sort of arrival point that, that determines what the journey is. Mm. Well, today's journey is understanding our connection with sentimental stuff. Before we get into our first question, Ryan, I had this, you know, people can text us, 937-202-4654. Mm-hmm. We answer a lot of your questions. Those texts literally go to both of our phones. We don't answer everyone. We can't. But uh, we do respond to some folks, including some folks here on the podcast. I don't know if you saw this one, Ryan, but this one is from Claire Stanton. Now, we, we interviewed her family, Alana and Mike Stanton for our documentary, Less Is Now. They didn't make it into the final cut of the film, but uh, they had this beautiful family. And so what we did actually, when we appeared on the Today Show a couple months ago, they asked for a few other families who have been inspired by minimalism who weren't in the documentary. It was like, mm. oh, perfect. Well, here's here's one family for sure. And so they mm. were featured in that Today Show segment. Podcast, Sean, if you could put a link to that in the show notes so folks can check out the Today Show interview because you see this whole family. I think it's four kids that they have. And anyway, Claire Stanton, their seven-year-old daughter who is in second grade, wrote this letter for her class. Oh, wow. Let me just read it real quick. Actually, you want to read it for us? Sure, man. I love this sign next to So for the people at home, here's the seven-year-old. If you're watching this on YouTube, there's a giant. And by the way, if you're just listening to the the audio version, uh, you can see a picture of Claire there. Hold it up for the camera, Ryan. Yeah. And it says, you are loved. And then she's holding up this note that she wrote. Cute little girl. uh, same, Same age as my daughter, Ella. Dear reader. Dear reader. So formal. Have you ever gone into someone's house and it's filled with things they don't use or enjoy? Well, it's not surprising if you have. Many people have belongings in their home that they barely use or enjoy. That's why we have minimalism. (laughs) Minimalism is having things, but only the things you use or enjoy. Mm. You should become a minimalist. And here's why. First of all... Claire, there is no should. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) First of all, minimalists help stop pollution. Yeah, I love that. Um, for example, if you only buy the things that you need or will actually enjoy, you would have less trash go to the dump. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It would also be one less plastic bag going in the environment. Also, minimalists are happier. For example, minimalists know that things do not make you happier. They know people do. Man, this seven-year-old is, like, wiser than me. <laughs> this it's is certainly awesome. wiser than most adults. Yeah. I mean, there, there is profound wisdom in this. And this is what I'm talking about. Wisdom begetting minimalism, not the other way around. Dude, um, she, she's a writer. 
She's she's gonna she's gonna write her own book one day. I can yeah, feel she, it. I mean, I really wish Ella wrote this well, and and it's, <laughs> it really shows that maybe I'm doing something wrong as a parent. <laughs> Lastly, you should become a minimalist because they spend less money and save for things they really need and want. As you can see, minimalists would not just go and buy things to buy things, but when they need something, a minimalist buys the nicer quality item. Uh huh. <laughs> I am a minimalist, and I hope. Now you want to take your journey into minimalism and become a minimalist too. Your life will be changed drastically. Wow. Congratulations, Claire. That's incredible. That is beautiful. Oh, man. We have a question from my favorite Canadian city, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. This question's from Wren. Both my parents are super attached to the gifts they give or gave me. They know I'm always actively minimizing my stuff, but get incredibly offended and hold the grudge if I donate or re-gift something. I've explained, explained different ways and repeatedly said I like no gifts or stuff. And though my dad is coming around, my mom has gotten worse and she's downsizing, but pawning all her stuff onto my brother and I. I don't really know how to explain myself anymore. And I also don't want to grudgingly keep my old report cards and knickknacks that give me no joy. I'd really like some advice on this. So, Ryan, the word that stands out to me in this entire question is attached. She said, both of my parents are attached. To the things that they give her. Yes. That's crazy. I, I, I had a pithy answer come to mind, which would be, uh, others' attachments are not your attachments. Mm. And often we feel pressured. Oh, yes. because someone, someone else likes whatever uh-huh. then you know i should like it and there's yeah, something I'm wrong with me to. yeah and there's something wrong with me if i don't like it right and it's especially with parents and hmm. so they're offended and and even worse they hold a grudge the parents are in this case it sounds like now of course there's always two sides to every story right mm-hmm. but uh, if we were to take rin at her word then it sounds to me like the parents are acting like the children in this case yeah and the child here is showing the maturity of an adult. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we, we saw that already. A seven-year-old, Claire, has more maturity than most adults. Yeah. And it sounds like she has more joy than most children as well. Mm-hmm. Certainly more joy than most adults. Because yeah, when, when you think about you know, parents walk around miserable all day, kids walk around joyous, and we try to fix the kids. Mm-hmm. But what we're really doing is fixing the joy out of them, accumulating things onto them. Now, the parents here are doing the same thing. Yeah. Rin, if I were to rephrase your question, I, I would say, how do we tactfully and appropriately address loved ones regarding stuff they've given us, they've given us that they're giving away, especially those things they consider of significant sentimental value? Oh, that's even worse when a parent's like, here, take this. This was a, your grandma's whatever. Yeah, it means a lot to the family. Now, now it means a lot to you. Exactly. Yeah. So, so let me let me give you a pithy answer for you. Possessions have no intrinsic meaning; only the meaning we assign mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. So, what does that mean? Now they find something meaningful, and that's okay. You can find whatever you want meaningful. Mm-hmm. In fact, there, because there is no intrinsic meaning of life. There's, mm-hmm. it's not forty-two or whatever the the scientists tell us. Mm-hmm. We get to decide what is meaningful. And so your parents have decided those things are meaningful to them. Mm. And so instead of saying those things aren't meaningful, what you're really saying is, Ren, those things aren't meaningful to you. And that is okay. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you help them understand that is okay? Well, you can't get someone to understand something they refuse to understand. Yeah. If they don't want to understand it, you can simply say no 
thank you. Yeah. When we say no, we can also tell people what we're saying yes to. I'm saying yes to a more clutter-free space. I'm saying yes to more peace. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that thing isn't meaningful to you, and it's certainly not a judgment mm-hmm. that you find meaning in that thing. It just happens to be that I don't find a meaning in it. Now, there could be a middle ground on some of these things. Report sure. cards, for an example. Ryan, if, sh- if she's like, well, yeah, okay, I, I th- might want to reference those report cards someday for some reason. Great. Okay. Let's scan them all yeah. today. We'll do it. In fact, I tell you what you could do. If you really want to contribute to me, mom and dad, why don't you scan them for me? That'd be a great gift. Mm. And so you're telling them yes, and you're, you're accepting their gift mm-hmm. without being attached to the meaning that they have attached to those things. Yeah, I mean, the first approach that I think of is the one that I took with my Oma, my most loving grandma. I mean, she's amazing. She gave me that paperweight. Uh-huh. And I was like, she's like, oh, well, you're, you're a writer and you have lots of papers. Like she's imagining, you know, my home just filled with stacks of paper everywhere. Yeah. And they're blowing all over the place. Right, right. And, and she solved the problem. And for, for, for you, what she did was she gave you a solution to a, an imaginary problem. Yeah. So I just, you know, I just said to her, like, you know, I don't really have that much. I don't have that many stacks of paper. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. This is a beautiful paperweight, but it's not something I would necessarily use. Um. I'll, how about I find it a really good home? And she was right. like, would you do that? And I'm like, yeah. So I found, I mean, and she was just, she was just trying to be nice, but she was also trying to get rid of something. Um, but and you knew her intention was great. Yeah. So found it a good home. Now with uh, other family members, my loving, very loving mother, uh-huh. um, she, and this is before minimalism, she would always just, just get me the most, you know, random things for Christmas out of love. And like, you know, here, I want to, I want to give you something. It's Christmas time. Here's a present, you know? Yes. And I, at a certain point I was like, mom, like, I love you. And I love the thought here. And like, you know, true. It is true. Like it's the thought that counts. It's not the gift. So I appreciate the gesture here and I appreciate the love that you're trying to show me, but this is actually not helping me. This is, you're just giving me things that I have to put into a donation box or I have to give away eventually. Um, there's no need to get me any, any more gifts. And, uh, she didn't really Listen. Yeah. Didn't really respect that. So, you know, I, I'm like, whatever, like it's her choice to listen or not listen. So the next time it was a birthday or Christmas or something, and she had like this bag of things uh-huh. and I just refused it. I was like, I love you and I appreciate this, but I'm not, I, I'm not taking this home. Like you're making this my problem now. Right. But and what I love about that is you didn't make it argumentative. No. And I think that's where we get caught because what's happening here, Ren, and it's going to be very easy for you to now get offended because they're offended. Right. And now you're offended by their offendedness and it escalates things and becomes a cold war between you and your parents. And that's not what we want at mm-hmm. all. How did you av- avoid the cold war with your mother? Yeah. No, I just, I just simply and very politely and respectfully just refused. And she was offended. Like, because I think... There was one, it was like a business card holder. Okay. And I was like, I was like, mom, if it makes you feel good, like I could probably use this business card holder. And she was like, and then like she had mentioned like passive aggressively a couple weeks later, whatever, a couple months later. Oh, remember when I gave you stuff and you just kind of picked and choose what you wanted and you just left the rest with me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mom, I would prefer you to not get me anything. So there were some difficult conversations. There were some honest conversations, but uh, like you said, um, keeping things non-argumentative mm-hmm. and uh, just going out of your way to, to express, A, 
the gratitude you have for your relative's love. Mm-hmm. And the love has nothing to do with the things. But going out of your way to, to show them like, hey, I know that you love me and I really love you back. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, to consistently show them respect as you're kind of, you know, denying their gifts. I was gonna, I was thinking about saying as you are kind of uh, setting up your, your boundaries. Yes. But more importantly, like, you know, basically what, what I was saying to my mom and what Ren might have to very honestly communicate to her parents is like, hey, I love you. But your expectations are not my expectations. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just just do not escalate. That That's the key point there is we always want to de-escalate in these situations mm-hmm. if we want to, what, maintain the peace. Yeah. And we think of peace, Ryan, we often think of peace of mind, right? Mm-hmm. But it's really peace from mind. Mm. Mind gives meaning to so many Things and in this case, literal things, yep. the the physical things, the accoutrements of of living, and what you can do instead of saying, "Hey, I don't ju- I don't find those things meaningful." You can also let your parents know, Ren. What do you find meaning in? What experiences might you find to be meaningful? Mm-hmm. So you're not simply saying no; you're de-escalating by telling them yes to something else that you find meaningful. Mm-hmm. Ren, I'd love to give you a copy of our book, Everything That Remains. It's a st- the five-year story of Ryan and I, and we were the suit and tie corporate guys to becoming minimalists. But in that, there's also a story of me dealing with my mom's sentimental items. We touched it a little bit in our documentary, Less Is Now, but there's a deeper dive of dealing with my mom's sen- sentimental stuff in Everything That Remains. So it's my favorite book that we've ever written uh, so far. Who knows? Love People Use Things might be the new favorite eventually. <laughs> it's not out yet. Uh, Love People Use Things will be out this the summer in July. But in the meantime, check out Everything That Remains. If you want the audiobook, uh, if you enjoy the podcast, you'll probably enjoy the audiobook version of Everything That Remains. Or if you want the book book or the ebook, we're happy to send those to you as well. Teresa from Facebook has a question for us, Ryan. Why does our brain try so hard to hold us back from releasing sentimental possessions? I would append that and say just from releasing possessions. Yeah. I think sentimental is probably a little bit more because we associate emotions uh-huh. with those objects. Yes. But the hunter-gatherer brain uh-huh. wants to hold on to everything. I mean, yeah. we it wasn't too long ago where we had to um, have a hoard of something, whether it was, uh, you know, whether it was food or um, whether it was, you know, textiles, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, we didn't have access. Yeah. And now we have access, but it's the, that part and our brain is still very much alive and wants us to uh, hold on. Access is the key there. You know, I think about food, right? Like the things that are most appealing to us are sweet foods, right? And it's because we didn't always have access to those. Our pre-civilized ancestors, as soon as they found uh, a pot of honey, it was all, or, you know, a, 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 a find of honey, that they would gorge on honey because they needed those calories. Mm. And now... Like we, everything has sugar in it. And and so we've engineered our world to overconsume. 
And that's what's happening with our stuff now. In fact, if you go far enough back to pre-civilized people, the, the true hunters and gatherers, what we find is that they couldn't hold on to certain things, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they, they didn't have a couch for a reason. They couldn't carry it with them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they had only what they could carry on their person. What has really happened is we've been civilized to death, to mm -hmm. borrow a phrase from our friend Dr. Christopher Ryan. Mm -hmm. And in that civilization, what, what we've been taught, what we've been acculturated to believe is that we are supposed to hoard, uh, that we have a scarcity mindset. And so mm. fundamentally, Teresa, that is the answer. We have been acculturated to have a scarcity mindset. And part of that is evolutionary, where, yes, we've evolved to to use things that are useful to us, to acquire things that are helpful or nourishing to us. However, we can now transcend that evolution because, as you said, we have access to all of the things that we need. Yeah. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer your text messages. Text your questions and comments to 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. During the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I do our best to answer questions with a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We put the text of these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place minimalmaxims.com. Lori has a question for us. She does. What do we do with all the things associated with a loved one when we've lost them in a particular in a particularly tragic traumatic way? I lost my daughter to suicide 3 years ago. Man, Lori, so sorry to hear about that. What should I do with her ashes? What should I do with her childhood items? There's so much pain and sorrow associated with these processes. Yeah. Mm. Laura, I'm so sorry that, that you've gone through that. And now I'm sorry even more that you continue to suffer while trying to sort through her things. I do have some pithy answers for you. Um, some of the ones that we've used in the past, also some new ones for you. So, of course, we have to start with this one. There are no shoulds, only coulds. Mm -hmm. And I think that's helpful for you here because there is no what you should do with right. Her ashes. There are several things you could do, mm -hmm. and there isn't a right or wrong answer. It's not something you're supposed to do with her ashes, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm trying to think because she has this should in her head of, well, I want to be a minimalist, but I'm holding on to my daughter's things. Um, I, the first thing that comes to mind is like, if she was to get rid of all of her daughter's things, it's not going to make her feel better, right? Per se, right? Um, so yeah, I, that should. I mean, that's. That's where I would ask myself, like, why am I shooting on myself right now? Yes. Is it because of uh, what other people think? Or do I actually think that this is going to make my situation better? And what she's saying is she's experienced a lot of pain. So what yeah. her hope is here is that by relinquishing these items, then all of a sudden maybe some of that pain will ease up quite a bit. And so here's another pithy answer for you. Of course, you know this one. This one's in Lessons Now, for example. Mm. Our memories are not in our things. Our memories are inside us. Yeah. And so I, I think when we understand that, not just intellectually, but once we understand that viscerally, in fact, on the Maximal episode this week, Ryan, we're going to have someone challenge this notion for us. Nice. They believe that the memories actually are in the things. And so I want to have, mm. I want to have that challenge. I don't know that I agree, but maybe we can form a day yeah. with them. Let's talk about it. But I do want to recognize that 
your memories are inside you. Sometimes the things can trigger memories. So what I did with a lot of my mom's stuff is I took photographs of her things and I was able to store those things digitally so I didn't have to store those things physically. Yeah. Here's a new, new pithy answer for you, a new minimal maxim. Letting go is part of the grieving process. I think too often we hold on to things because mm. we feel like we're not ready to let go even though there's never the perfect time to let go. We often hold on to things too long until what happens? Mm. We get dragged. Mm. If you hold on for too long, you will get dragged. You can tweet that as well, Podcast Sean. And what I mean by that, Lori, it seems to me right now, and Ryan, correct me if, if uh, you have a different perspective on this, but Lori is currently being dragged by the expectations of what she should do in this situation. Yeah, I would agree with that. The It's the expectations, not necessarily, you know, her daughter's ashes that are dragging her. It's these expectations that she's thrusting on herself. Yeah, yes. I totally agree with that. And so here's another one for you. Letting go is not something you do. Letting go is something you stop doing. Well, what do we mean by that? In fact, we've got an essay uh, called Letting Go is Not Something You Do. Put a link to that in the show notes, Sean. But let me just say that letting go is when we stop clinging. It's when we stop living by other people's expectations. It's when we stop thinking our memories are in the things. It's when we stop thinking we should hold on to something out of some sort of pious sense of obligation. However, let me... Let me posit a counter-argument here, Ryan. Hmm. If we let go too soon, we fall. Yeah. But if we hold on too long, we stall. Mm. So our good friend Jordan No More, who is manning the cameras here at the Minimalist Podcast, he is a rock climber. And, of course, if he's climbing to the top of a mountain, and he has to let go a thousand times, right? You mm-hmm. let go and you latch onto something else. Yeah. You let go, you latch onto something else. Now, if he lets go too soon, he falls. Mm-hmm. And it's detrimental to him. Mm-hmm. However, if he climbs halfway up and just doesn't let go at all, mm. he stalls. Mm. He stays stuck in the middle of a mountain. He doesn't get to his arrival point. He doesn't. The journey does not continue if you cling to the past. Mm. There's another one for you, podcast, Sean. And so... Lori, I'm really sorry that you're going through this and recognizing that, yeah, I don't want you to let go too soon. If your daughter had died yesterday and you're all of a sudden setting her room on fire, I'm going to question that decision and and whether that's the appropriate decision for you. However, you're, you're several years into it now, and it sounds to me like because you're asking this question, there's a lot of pain and sorrow still associated with those things. And so letting go is part of the grieving process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just want to encourage Lori to treat herself kindly and, and treat yourself with compassion, Lori. Don't beat yourself up too much. Um, in fact, my, I got a couple of pithy answers too. The first one is letting go is an act of self compassion. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is what well, it, it all depends on what you're letting go of too. Um, but, but often, that's the case. Uh, the other pithy answer I have is letting go of shoulds is more freeing than letting go of stuff. Yes. I think, Lori. That is the truth. <clears throat> I think, Lori, you've got to, you know, really be honest with yourself and ask yourself, like, the stuff that you're holding on to, is it creating you more pain to hold on? 
or is it actually doing something for you? It sounds like there is some type of pain happening. Right. So is it, again, is it other people's expectations? Is it because you're at home thinking, oh, well, Ryan and Josh, wouldn't, they wouldn't give me my minimalist certificate, I'm sure, because I'm holding on to this stuff. Like, if that's the reason, then you might want to think about the things that you let go of. But if clinging to those items, if it's preventing you from moving forward with your life, well, then, you know, maybe that's the better reason to start to uh, let go of some of these things. But you can always take pictures of stuff. You can always scan stuff. So you don't necessarily have to lose that trigger because uh, oftentimes the stuff can trigger a memory. So take yeah. a picture of it or scan it. You can always go back to that. Um, and then also yeah. realizing that by having fewer sentimental items, they're not watered down by hundreds of sentimental items. We actually enjoy those sentimental items much more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got a bunch more to talk about today, Ryan. So, so much more. But first, what do you got for us? Here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hi, I have two tips. So on a Patreon podcast, Ryan mentioned that he wasn't even aware of how many advertisements he was seeing on a certain service. And I live in New York, so there are advertisements everywhere on the subway, at the bus stop. And so I just started saying to myself in my head, advertisement. Every time that I see an advertisement, that way I'm a little bit more aware of what I'm seeing. My other tip is I would highly recommend the book, The Power of Habit. It is fascinating for many reasons. One of those is related to advertisements. They talk about specific companies and the kind of mental manipulations and data that they study to try to get us to buy things that we do not need. And for me, uh, just kind of knowing that when I enter a store helps me reason through maybe things that I have the urge to buy that aren't on my list. This is Rochelle from Saginaw, Michigan. I just finished the Subtract episode, and I have a suggestion for Kelly and anyone who's trying to listen more. I have adopted a practice of adjusting my posture when I realize that I'm in a situation where I need to listen. For example, if I'm seated, I stack my hands in my lap with my palms up, and this reminds myself that I'm here to receive what the other person has to say. I hope this test. This tip helps Kelly and anyone else trying to listen more. Thanks. All right, y'all. We've got a bunch more to talk about on Patreon this Thursday on the Minimalist Private Podcast. But first, real quick, for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists, or at least half of the minimalists. My wife, Rebecca, she started a podcast. It's called How to Love. Now, she's a, a registered dietitian, but this podcast is really about relationships and sex and parenting. She asked me to be the co-host, and I was really honored, and I said yes. And we've been having some amazing conversations over on How to Love. Now, she started this as exclusively a private podcast, and now there is a public feed. So if you want a taste of how to love, you can now find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just type in how to love, or if you're looking for a link, you can head on over to howtolove.show to find all the links over there. These conversations are unconventional. Yeah, because she and I, we have a 
unconventional relationship in many respects. We also have some unconventional thoughts and ideas about parenting, about relationships, about monogamy, uh, about the way that we interact with each other, about alone time and creating space for each other, about desire, about our needs. We talk about all of these things in a very honest and open way. The podcast is called How to Love. And you can find it at howtolove.show. For our added value this week, well, since we're going to be talking about nostalgia, especially on the Maximal episode, we're really going to dive deep into nostalgia. Some nostalgia can actually be a good thing. We, we makes us feel good, and especially with music. And here's a song that I used to listen to as a child. My mom used to play it. It's a song from the 60s called A Change Is Gonna Come by Sam cook by the way we have a bunch more surprise questions this week like what are some creative ways to repurpose sentimental items for daily use rather than having them simply collect dust on a shelf what is your take on memory boxes that parents make for children why didn't it make me feel good when i unloaded all my sentimental items plus a million more questions and if you want to hear all that join us on the minimalist private podcast this week visit the minimalists.com slash support to subscribe and get your personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. It's cheaper than a cup of coffee and it keeps our show 100% advertisement free. Plus, you get access to all of our archives. We're talking hundreds of episodes about minimalism, about intentional living with our guests, really deep dives into things that we don't talk about in public. That's theminimalists.com slash support. You also get a weekly new Maximal episode. You can follow The Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalists. Come to one of our live podcast shows Visit theminimalists.com slash tour to find a city near you. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. You'll also receive our simple Sunday emails or any new minimalist writings that we right for free, right there in your inbox. And if you leave here today with just one message, let it be this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Change going